verse for this week is Isaiah 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6. Let's work on that one, and uh, we'll give you opportunity tonight to say verse 5 and continue our way through Isaiah 53. All right, if our ushers would come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Our scripture reading this morning is in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Matthew chapter 20. Stand with me as we read the word of God. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the privilege we have to meet in God's house. We thank you for your mercies and blessings. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you bless our service here today. Bless our pastor as he comes to preach the word. And uh, we pray that you help us to hear 
uh, with willing ears, and we pray that you'll help us to be obedient to uh, to your word. We pray for our country. Uh, we pray for uh, many of our folks who are not well today. We pray that you would help them to be uh, well and back with us soon. Thank you again for all your many mercies. Thank you for your precious word. And we pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be seated. Now here we have this morning a very interesting parable. If it were to stand by itself and then try to consider how to understand it, uh, we would probably find some challenges undoubtedly or come to some wrong conclusions. Um, This is one thing that we know that the Lord is not speaking about in this parable, and that's salvation. Because this is about working to receive a reward, and we know that the Bible very clearly teaches that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that it is a gift and emphasizes grace and not of works, lest any man should boast. And you and I know humanity. And there would be those that would boast. Titus 3.5 says that we are uh, not saved, we're not saved by our works of righteousness. But it puts the emphasis there on mercy. And uh, God's saving grace is mercy. By grace, he gives us what we do not deserve. And by his mercy, he withholds from us what we really do deserve. So in this parable, we do understand he's not talking about salvation. This particular parable is a building block. It is building upon what was being revealed in the previous parable chapter. And so before we can understand the theme and the lesson of this parable, we need to understand what led up to the Lord teaching this. And we would understand that he taught it to his disciples. Now in chapter 19, uh, before the end of the chapter, about halfway through, There comes this rich young man to the Lord Jesus Christ. His disciples are there. And he comes to him. um, I don't know if I want to use the word humble arrogance. Uh, That's kind of a paradox. But but he does come with a, a level of spiritual humility, but also with a level of spiritual pride. And he comes to the Lord and he says, Dear good master. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, to start out with, uh, good was the term reserved only for God. Whether he really was acknowledging Jesus as God the Son, I don't know. But he was, he was using either flattery or respect or reverence and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. But he, he believed one of the common misnomers even of today. That you have to do something to earn your salvation. And so he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And as I mentioned previously, it's of grace, not of works. It's an act of mercy that God saves us. (coughs) I'm not over the respiratory thing. It's still impacting my voice. I'll try to keep working through this. And and so uh, the Lord uses the law. The law... Uh, shows us that we are sinners. The law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. 
And so he, when he says, what must I do to be saved? The Lord responds, well, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. He, he hits some of the basic uh, of the Ten Commandments in human relationships. Now, he didn't say don't covet. He didn't deal with that one. But out of the ones that he dealt with, he says, ah, I have kept all of those from my youth up. Now, <clears throat> the Lord didn't go back and say, oh, no, you haven't. Because I have said that when it comes to uh, uh, thou shall not kill, if you become so angry that you wish you could kill, you are guilty of murder. You're guilty of killing. He said, uh, if you lust after a woman to wish you could be immorally involved, you are guilty of committing adultery. And, and so he didn't go down that road with him. He probably could have and exposed that the man really wasn't as good as what he thought he was. But he hit one that would hit that tender cord of a rich man. He then said, go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me and be a full-time disciple of Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say that the man went away sorrowful. Because he was very rich. You see, <clears throat> he coveted all of those stuff. All of that stuff. Those stuffs, stuffs. All of that stuff. And that was more important to him than salvation. Now, do you understand if he'd have gone and sold everything and went and been a, a full-time disciple, that would not have saved him. The Bible is very clear that salvation happens when there is a spirit of repentance and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But what he did, taking the man from where he was to where he could have been, he revealed that he was still a sinner and covetousness was his problem. And he was unwilling to come to Christ. And then the Lord turns to his disciples and said, how hard it is for a rich man to get saved. In fact, it's almost as difficult as for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He was talking about a literal camel, which was the largest land animal known in the Middle East. And he was talking about a literal needle, which is a tool, an instrument, whether in sewing or whether it be in the medical world. <clears throat> and no matter how far you string out that camel, it's not going through that needle. And the disciples, this was a mentality that if you're that rich, and if you're doing that well with the law, you are more capable of being saved than anybody else. And if somebody who has the greatest possibility of being saved can't be saved... Now, the Lord did not say that a rich man could not be saved, but it's rare that a rich man will abandon everything and be saved. But he, they said, if that cannot be saved, who then can be saved? And the Lord responded, with man it's impossible, but with God it's possible. It is possible for a rich man, a rich woman, to be saved. It is possible for one who is impoverished to be saved. And so the Lord answers that. Now, 
Undoubtedly, the disciples had pondered on this whole discourse and the young man that came and he left and, and all of that. <clears throat> and they got to thinking, he wouldn't even sell half of what he had to be a disciple. He wasn't going to sell everything and be a disciple. Wait a minute. We abandon everything to be a disciple. We gave up our career. We gave up our family uh, work. Uh, Matthew, I gave up a very lucrative job. And, and for some, uh, if I took uh, uh, unwisely or, or deceitfully, I'll, I'll give back plus. We've given everything. And Peter, the, the loyal spokesman for the disciples, says, we've forsaken all. What do we get for it? In other words, what's in it for us? And the Lord uh, responded with that, that uh, if they would just trust the Lord and serve the Lord, that he would reward them a hundredfold. Now, before I go to that last verse of chapter 19, do understand the disciples lived in that transitional time from being under the law and God's covenant with Israel to entering into the church era and Israel is set aside. God has not broken his covenant with Israel. He's still going to deal with Israel. Those were unconditional, everlasting covenants that God made with the people of Israel. But they're going to be set aside. And, and, and here's what they had to grasp with. Under the law and with Israel, God promised them that if they would obey and if they would be faithful, God promised them material, physical blessings. As they had come out of Egypt and as they were headed to the promised land, God said, if you will obey me in all of these things, none of these diseases will come upon you. Ha, ah, they'd have been exempt from COVID. <laughs> uh, your, your livestock will, will produce abundantly and your livestock will never be barren. We raised cattle and I remember every now and then we'd have to sell uh, one that we thought would be in our uh, breeding stock because they just would never have a calf. They were barren. They couldn't do it. And, and so we would sell them. You know what? They'd never have to make that decision. Their, their crop and their grain would be bountiful. Every year you'd plant, the rains would come, and it would flourish, and, and uh, they'd have to build bigger barns or whatever to manage a harvest. These were the physical blessings that were promised Israel if they were faithful and obey God. Now understand, these disciples were Jewish men that understood that. And so let's be careful how critical we are of them and thinking, well, why would they ever think that? Well, that would have been somewhat of the normal Jewish thinking that God's going to bless them physically and materially for being faithfully obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the church age, God has not promised physical or material blessing for obedience or faith. It is a dangerous thing and it's a very disappointing thing and disheartening thing when preachers take what was promised to Israel and try to apply it to church age believers. They're deceiving. Either they've been deceived themselves or they know the truth and they're deceiving people. 
Now, God has promised for those of us in the church age that he would provide for our needs. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. God will. And that has to do with some of our physical needs. But by and large, the promise of blessings are spiritual blessings in the church age. Now, in the church age, we do understand that God promised spiritual blessings. And along with that, he does give certain physical, material blessings from time to time. Likewise with Israel, their promise was material, physical blessings. But God did bless them with spiritual blessings as well. So this would be the challenge that these disciples were dealing with in this transitional time. And they were looking. And even if we don't give them the benefit of the doubt of that transition, they really behaved and acted like a lot of people out of every generation. We like to know what we're going to get for what we do. What's in it for ourselves. There's been a host of Christians that have turned away from God and turned away from their service because they didn't think God blessed them physically well enough in their lives. And so they're really no different than many Christians today. But that was their challenge. That was what they were struggling with. And the Lord promised, he says, I'll bless you a hundredfold. Just trust me and serve God. Then we read verse 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The Lord now teaches this parable to the disciples to build upon serving the Lord in simply trusting God for how he'll reward that, that service. He closes out that passage And he uses that same statement, verse 16, so the last shall be first and the first last. And so I understand in these 15 verses, 1 through 15, the Lord is trying to teach the disciples something about serving and simply trusting God when it comes to the reward. And so let's look at this chapter and see what we can learn and how we can grow in the Lord. And so let me rebuild the uh, scenario and the parable. And let us learn that life is not always equal, but God is always fair and generous. So the morning starts out. Early morning, the householder goes to the... uh, Temp service, where you can get your temporary labor. Uh, That's not a new idea today. They had that in Bible times. He goes to the temp service of whatever nature it was. He goes there, and he finds some men available to hire. And he says, I've got a crop that needs harvested. I've got a crop that needs tended today. And so I need to hire some men. And certain ones come along, and they say, "Uh, we want a contract. And, And we would understand it says that he agreed with them. So it... It implies that they were requesting that if we're going to work the full day, this is what we want for our day's labor. They wanted a contract before they started their labor. Now, contracts are not always bad. But in this particular case, it probably was not the ideal thing for them to pursue. 
but they, they wanted a contract and they agreed to work the day for a penny. Now, that word penny, I'm sure, is a wise word to be used there. But when we think of a penny, how many are ready and willing to work a full day? Now, we're probably talking 12-hour days here. How many are ready and willing to work a 12-hour day for a penny? Nope. (laughs) Uh, I didn't get any takers on that. When we look at a penny, uh, I understand statistically and and what somebody has said that the value of the penny is so diminished that it doesn't even pay for your labor to bend over and pick one up off the street. It costs you more in time than what you get in value by picking a penny up off the street. I'll still pick it up. Unless it's got gum and crud on it. But uh, I'll still pick it up. That's how we view the penny. However, to understand the context here, the penny would probably, I think what I understand, it was a denarius or something of that nature. It had a lot greater value than a penny. It was the value of a good day's wage. It was the value that the Roman government paid its soldiers for a daily salary. And so when they made this agreement, the, the, uh, the householder was not being miserly. He was not being stingy. He agreed to give them a fair and a generous wage for the day's labor. And so they agree, they go out and they go to work. And, you know, the harvest, it's it's like the Bible says, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And so the third hour, he goes into the temp service. He sees some more guys that have come in. They're standing there. And he says, will you go and help with my crop and help take care of that? They said, yeah, we'll do it. And he says, I'll pay you what's fair. There was no contract. They, they just trusted the man would pay him what was fair. He goes back the sixth hour and the ninth hour, the same thing. And he goes back the eleventh hour. And, and what I would understand, there was only one more hour out of the twelve-hour day to work. And he goes back to the eleventh hour. And he finds some guys standing there that aren't working. And he says, why aren't you working? And they said, nobody would hire us. He says, go work in my field and I'll pay you what is fair. When we're done. And they said, okay, we'll go do that. Now, after all of that, I want to catch some prevailing truths about life before we continue with this parable. And the prevailing truth is, while life can be fair, it's not always equal. You see, not every Christian has equal time to serve the Lord. Some Christians, now we're not talking about salvation. God, <coughs> God in his grace and God in his mercy, he will save a child five, six years old. And they could live to be a hundred and have ninety some years to serve the Lord. God is gracious and mercy, merciful in his salvation. And a man in his nineties that had rejected Christ and defiled God and finally come to a heart of repentance and put his faith in God and be saved in his nineties. He's just as completely eternally saved as that child, but he doesn't have the time of life to serve. His time is very brief. 
And so you take anywhere in between there. Not everybody has the same amount of time to serve the Lord. It's not equal. Somebody may <coughs> may uh, uh, receive Christ in their youth, and by the time they're a young adult, the Lord takes them home through some particular avenue, and their life was cut short. And so they didn't have a lot of time. There have been those... <coughs> Um, certain of the missionaries of yesteryear. And I'm trying to think of the name of the one he buried, uh, was it two or three wives on the mission field while he was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't live long time either. But both of those young ladies had given themselves, did you figure out which one it was? I saw you, Huh? It may have been William Carey, and I think there was another one, that, that uh, uh, the, the wives loved the Lord, were saved in their younger years, but they died in their younger years. They didn't have as much time to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand, not every Christian has equal amount of time to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else that I learned from this parable, not every Christian has an equal opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that he hired at the 11th hour said nobody would hire us. We would understand they probably were there before the 11th hour. How much before, I don't know. But nobody would hire them. Their opportunity was shrunk. And the same as can be true for Christians. Some Christians have more opportunities availed them. Some Christians have less opportunity availed to them. And so as you look at that uh, in all of this, understand a single person may have diverse and more opportunities in what they can do for the Lord than what a married couple can do on certain levels. Now, certainly there are certain things that a married couple may be able to do that a single individual cannot do, but their opportunities are not necessarily the same. And likewise, if you have a married couple with children, suddenly their opportunities change. I, I remember uh, reading about a, a lady that was a member of a church where the pastor had, uh, had been preaching and challenging them and serving the Lord and ministering. And it was a growing church. And <clears throat> this was one out of yesteryear. And the lady came to the, the pastor. She wanted to do more. But she said, Pastor, I'm not able to be involved in these things that you're talking about. She said, I have 11 children yet at home that I have to take care of and raise. The pastor very wisely said, you have an incredible ministry to raise 11 children to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity unlike other persons with their opportunities. So you see, not every opportunity is the same. Uh, you may find that you have a family member. It may be a husband, a wife, a parent, or a child. That necessitates a large amount of your time and attention to take care of them. 
that's going to change the opportunities that you have to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You take either a single individual or a couple that does not have those responsibilities. They're able to be out and go and do and be involved and and avail themselves to a much wider variety of opportunities. But that doesn't mean you don't have opportunity. You still have opportunity, but it's not going to be the same opportunities like the others. And whether it be the mother with children, whether it be the family member that that needs to care for a family member, we should never begrudge those that have their opportunities because they don't have your opportunity. And whatever your opportunity is, God knows and has uh, ordained how life goes in many ways. And it is an opportunity to glorify God even in that type of an opportunity. And so we don't need to begrudge or feel bad or or think, uh, have an evil eye because somebody else has an opportunity that we do not with that. For some, your health may be depleting and simply cannot do what you used to. So what I learned from Matthew 20 in this parable Not every Christian has equal time to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Not every Christian has equal opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And then because I grew up farming and ranching and I understand the nature of a harvest, I think I could find these two implications coming out of this scenario that are fitting. One is not every Christian has equal skills to serve the Lord. I remember uh, we would have different people working for grandpa and dad and, and uh, they would say, yeah, we can do something and, and uh, be able to work with things only to find out they really didn't know that and we would have to put them somewhere else that it was safer to let them work. I remember dad talking about one particular hired man. And for those of you that understand the old Johnny Popper, John Deere tractors, the old two cylinders that go pop, 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 they had the hand clutch. They did not have a foot clutch. He hired a guy and, and dad asked him, he says, do you know how to drive these, these John Deere tractors? Oh, I grew up on them. I've always run them. And, and, it, and quite frankly, they were all the same at that time. And so dad put him on the tractor and got him started. And uh, all of a sudden he was hitting the brakes trying to stop it. And dad had to jump back up on the tractor, grab the hand clutch, stop the tractor. And he says, this is how you stop it. And he said, oh, I've never seen that on a John Deere before. (laughs) Which exposed that he'd probably never been on a John Deere like that. (laughs) But, you know, not everybody has the same skill. And let's take it out of the harvest and let's put it into the serving of the Lord. Not everybody's a musician. Not everybody's a public speaker. Not everybody really has a gift of how to minister to the needs of individuals. Now we should all sing. We should all share our witness. We should all serve one another. But do you know, not all of us have the same skills. One other one before I move forward, and not with diversity of skills, that means not every Christian will have an equal job with which to serve the Lord. It may be different. It's not the same. We'd look kind of funny if we were all standing up here preaching to empty pews. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, it, it would be a bit strange if everybody was trying to hang on to the same vacuum sweeper while vacuuming the floor. You see, not everybody's going to have the same job. There is diversity. But here is a very important spiritual truth about serving the Lord, regardless of how much time you have, regardless of how many opportunities you have, regardless of your skill, regardless of the job that, that you can serve the Lord. Here's three or two verses that are crucial. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The second passage is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. No matter how much time you have left in your life to serve, if somebody was to get saved this morning, and, and now we don't know this, but if hypothetically we knew that the rapture was going to take place tomorrow, that means you'd have about a year, about a day to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a good steward of that day. Do everything in those 24 hours to glorify God. Whether you, you were saved in a young age or saved in your latter years, Whatever the time, whatever your skills, whatever your opportunities that you have, do everything with your full energy to the glory of God and be a steward knowing that God is good in how he'll reward. And so that's what I learned thus far in this parable. Then as we come back into this passage, we see that the day's over and they come to receive their payment, their salary for the day. He starts with the last, the guy that showed up at the 11th hour. Now, now put yourself in, in this scenario, and how would you think? The guy that worked an hour, he gets the same thing that the guys that were hired early morning, worked 12 hours. If you were the one that were hired early morning, and you saw that, what would you start thinking? I see some smiles like, uh, yeah, we're going to get a bonus today. (laughs) And then the guy that was hired and worked three hours, he gets the same as what the guy that worked one hour. Wow. So then those that uh, work six hours and nine hours, they're rather optimistic now. And I'm not sure what the first hour workers are thinking. And they all get the same wage, that penny or the denarius, a full day's wage. And now it comes to those that were hired by contract. You see, all of these others said, we'll work for you, we'll trust you to be good to us. This first hour said, we want a contract. We want to know, what do we get for working for you? Now, I'm not saying that principle in, in the working world is, is always wrong. But in this particular case, there's a lesson to be learned from this. And so when they get it, they get what they agreed, the same as everybody else. And they complained. They said, this isn't fair. I don't know if they thought they should have had more. Or they despise the goodness of God, and it sounds like they despise the goodness of God, that the other shouldn't have received as much. 
And maybe they weren't complaining about what they received, but they were complaining about what the others got. But they were complaining about it. And so uh, the Lord said, <coughs> you got what you, des- what you agreed to? I paid. And the problem was, he says, you have an evil eye towards me because I'm good to other people. Does, as we look at this, when they're complaining, okay, we had a contract, we did this, and you just gave us this, but it should have been better. Does this not have echoes of Peter who said, we've forsaken all, what's in it for us? This may have been a subtle or maybe not so subtle of lesson for Peter and the disciples who thought they should have been promised big things for what they were going to do. And the Lord saying, God's good. Just serve the Lord and he'll, he'll be good to you. But if you're going to demand what you think God ought to give you for serving God, you'll probably be the disappointed one and the grouchy one when it's all said and done. And and so we see this. God was good. He was kind. And God always keeps His word. In verse 15, the Lord says, God has the sovereign right to do anything consistent with his holy nature. Now, that's not the words in the verse, but that's in essence what he's saying. Do I not have the right to take care of my own affairs? And if I want to do this for them, I'm still good, I'm still gracious, and it's within my nature to be that way. And so there, there he reprimands them of thinking, hey, we've got to know. We've forsaken all. There are folks here in our midst this morning who over the years have surrendered to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And along the course of the years, maybe from time to time, when it seems like there's not enough money for groceries to put food on the table for the family. And when you wonder if there'll be anything when retirement comes. But you said, I still must be faithful to serve God and God will take care of me. I'm just trusting God to take care of me. Now, now that doesn't justify foolish management. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the right kind of heart to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. God is good and will take care of you. Those in, in, in working years and career years and, and in those years, if you're going to walk with God and you want to serve God, some of the job opportunities are going to be limited because you want to keep Sunday as the day of the Lord and you don't want to work on Sunday. I've been there. I've done that in the secular world. I don't want to work Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. In agriculture, I didn't mind getting up early and doing chores as long as I could be in church and Sunday school on time. And Sunday was the Lord's day. And and if you're going to stay fast with a conviction like that, the jobs that are available to you will be more limited. 
But when you take it like like those that say, I'm going to go do the job, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I trust God to take care of me, you'll not be disappointed. God will take care of you. God will provide. And so this is what I understand from this lesson. There is that question. If I forsake all, if I serve God, I almost need a contract with God as to how he's going to take care of this and what he's going to do with this and what I'm going to get out of it. When that isn't what it is at all. If we will just do what we know God wants us to do. I'm not talking about taking some foolish tangent. I'm talking about simply doing what God commands us to do. What is right, what is godly, what is sacred. If we'll do that and trust God to take care of us, God will take care of us. God is always good. He is always generous to those who serve by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that he, he, is a, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. And this talks about faith in Hebrews 11.1-6. 1 God diligently rewards them. In Psalm 68, 19, it says that he daily loadeth us with his benefits. And God gives us the benefits and the blessings that we need in our life daily. Then in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Paul says that God does above and beyond even what we could expect or imagine. This is the goodness of our God. So when it comes to the Christian life, Fair is not always equal when serving the Lord. Time, opportunity, skills, jobs, whatever, may not always be equal for the Christian. However, when you serve faithfully and simply let the goodness of God reward you, you will never be disappointed. And besides, all the rewards and the goodness of God is by His grace anyway. He doesn't owe us any of that. But because God is so good, God is so generous, He does it. And that is true of Him. Fair is not always equal. But God is always fair, generous, and good. The question is not, what's in it for me? But the question should be, what's for me? to put into it as I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I close, here has been a message to challenge the believers in Christ. This is not for the unbeliever. You can't go down this road of serving God and faithfully trusting His reward if you're not saved. This message was to the believers. Now, if you are without Jesus Christ as your Savior, the first step is to come to Him with a heart of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Get saved. Then everything I said this morning would apply to you. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, why not? For those of us that have trusted Him, And seeing how he rewards his faithful, we've never been disappointed. 
In fact, our love for him has just grown week after week, year after year, because our God is good. Father, we come to you this morning, and as we have considered this passage in this parable, not only wise for the disciples, but wise for us. And Father, help us to serve you because we love you, not because of what we're going to get out of it. Help us to want to do more for you because of a growing love for you and a compassion for others. Use us this week, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are... Living by faith, living by faith, in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Sheltering arm, his sheltering arm. I'm living by faith, I'm living by faith, and feel no Oh
Joe Jaquin here from the Half Empty Cup of Joe Show. Are you worried about investing in the stock market, especially with Joe Biden in office? Do you really trust this economy? What if you could invest in a secure, collateralized portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly and there are no fees. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And get this, there's absolutely no loss of principal if you ever need your money back. Go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or call 888-YREFI24. You can earn a fixed rate of return that's up to 10.25%. Just call 888-YREFI24 or go to investyrefi.com and tell them Joe sent you. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. 
I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code KHNC. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are going to love my slippers that I'm extending my 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com, use your promo code to save $90. K-H-N-C. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. All of your electronic devices can be severely damaged by lightning bolts and power surges. Even worse, an EMP attack can destroy everything, leaving our technology-dependent society with no technology. But don't let that be you. Go to EMPShield.com and put KHNC in the promo code box. EMP Shield is an electromagnetic pulse, solar flare, and lightning protection system made to protect you and your electronics. Again, go to EMPShield.com and type KHNC in the promo code box. EMPShield.com. This is Tammy with Naturally Inspired Health Network. We created a group with real solutions for healthy living. Providers with products and services we trust. Need pain relief? Christy Sullivan, Vitality for Life. Want acupuncture? Debbie Ireland, Touch of the East. Looking for a medical doctor? Dr. Sharon Montez, Living Well Health Group. Solutions for health insurance? Wendy Scipioni, MPB Health. NaturallyInspiredHealthNetwork.com. Connecting people with real solutions for health. Hi, everybody. Glenn Tate, co-host of Prepping 2.0. Shelby Gallagher here. Join us Saturdays at 9 a.m. Right here on 1360 KHNC. Where we bring you great ideas to take your preps to the next level. This is Rick Rodriguez, host of The Present Truth, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3. Topics, American World Hegemony, The New World Order, Secret Societies, One World Religion, Weather Warfare, International Wars, Transhumanism. Join me, 1360 KHNC. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. The views and opinions expressed on KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the 